Hey everyone, you're listening to another episode of Brewers, where we tell the stories behind your favorite beer. Joining me, as always, is my magnificent co-hosts, Erica and Ryan. That's right. Magnificent. Magnificent. Yes. I got a thesaurus recently. Ooh, I can tell you're using it. It hasn't been working. Aww. No, I, I did. I, it's on my phone. It's called thesaurus. <laughs> is that what it's yeah. called? Wow. Yeah, because I was looking for words that were other than really great episode or cool episode or <laughs> and we're back and we're back yeah so <laughs> righteous is in my Ooh, uh, i like it please use that tonight. yeah um, radical oh, i love it yeah but radical can be like this is a radical episode Ooh, like someone be like this is this is it's off the wall it's off the walls yeah so <laughs> uh magnificent was the word we okay, chose today fun fun because we're Let at a magnificent brewery today indeed uh and restaurant yeah i have gained weight eating at this place many times for sure they have duck fat wings <sighs> Which I have hyped up on the podcast. Before, you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, if my cardiologist is listening, my future cardiologist. No, yeah, we don't have one right now. But I don't. I had one. I should probably have one. There's heart disease in my family. Hmm. Noted. Noted. Yep. We're getting it on that after. But um, they would probably encourage me to eat, not the whole order, but like in moderation. Share with friends. Share with friends. Yeah. Which, Cool. I will bring more people here, yeah, but like also like I want more of the wings. Correct. Yes, it's a struggle. It's a real life struggle. struggle. Um, We've come here many times. We brought our friend Jenna here of Wormtown fame. I've brought (laughs) and met so many amazing people here. Totes. Uh, And uh, Erica, do you want to tell us where we're at? We're at Brado. Yeah, you you work here. I d- indeed, I did, I do. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It's um, a struggle, and it's amazing. And you drive the truck. <laughs> that was a struggle, and also amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we um, usually discuss in our intro outro uh, what we've been eating. But I just want to let our drinking? listeners eating, drinking, sure, whatever. <laughs> uh, I just want to let our listeners know if you want to support the podcast and get amazing episodes like this in the future, please go to our many avenues of social media, and we also have a Patreon account. Ryan, what's our Patreon account? www.patreon.com forward slash Brews Podcast. Yeah, so we can continue to get amazing episodes like Brado and maybe even pay us to eat some wings with them. Yeah. yeah. That'd, That'd be, be fun. That's not, that's not what we'll use the money for. We'll use them for my clips that Ryan's been begging me to get for Literally you know. begging. It's because Erica broke one. Yeah. Yep. What the heck? That's what I do. All right. So we start our podcast by asking our guests what they're drinking currently in their life. That's outside of the brew house. So what have you been drinking outside of the brew house? Uh, Sierra Nevada celebration. Oh, Hell yeah. Of course. Uh, Let's go. Very seasonal. Didn't yeah. Miss the season. It's uh, <laughs> one of my favorite beers for sure. I uh, look forward to it every September, October. Um, they canned it this year, which was new. Yeah. Uh, but it still seemed like the same great product they put out every year. 12 ounce format awesome. too, right? Yep. yep. Love it. What I've been eating uh, recently actually has been. Uh, Trying out the North Shore style roast beef. I've uh, been really into that oh, and the South Shore style North Shore bar pie. Style? So, wait, I have a question. <laughs> All right. We can't you do a three way? Uh, currently, we have a four way on the menu. Ooh, tell me more. I, I need Whoa. to know. It's a four way. A four way, I mean, first of all, me doing don't this in general is really controversial. <laughs> Wait, so can I, our listeners who aren't from the region, and you really have to, if you know, you know. We're, we're in Brighton right now. Listen, I'm just saying the North Shore style roast beef is a special sandwich. Okay. Three way, the only way. Okay, I'm curious to hear Shut this, up, but Brian. people who don't know about it. <laughs> it's sliced roast beef that is usually rare. warm. Rare. Very, yes. Very important. Very important. I got yeah. almost murdered on the way home. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. You need to have mayo, cheese, and then James River sauce or sauce. It's usually James River, though, correct? James River barbecue. Barbecue sauce, yeah. Um, 
I like it on an onion roll. I think that's the the way to get it. But I've had it on a seeded, and it's wonderful as well. Onion rolled for sure. Yep. No, we have an onion roll right now. Good. I got into it. Um, I thought that it would be sort of interesting to check out, like, how it was prepared and all that sort of stuff. And we've had it on the menu for a little bit, but I've been trying to research that a little bit more. I'm really into, like, the hyper-regional Do you have, like, a foods. favorite? I mean, the four-way. In terms of, like, a, another place that makes it. Yeah. Uh, I don't yet. No, so... Okay, we'll keep that. What's keep that a four-way? Yeah, we, now we need to know the four-way. <laughs> four-way is when you add uh, crispy fried onions on top. Oh, oh I was about to say. God, it's got to be the yeah. crispy onions. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's mm -hmm. really nice. I, yeah, mm -hmm. I just order a three-way with onions, like crispy fried onions. Well, on top. now it's a four-way, so yeah, I don't know. I'm you know. fucking born okay. and raised here. Well, now I'm you just know. saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, but you can't I'm get that. I'm glad you're not angry with me for, <laughs> for even, like... Suggesting to change this. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you, <laughs> I, I uh, you know, respect with what you do with the food, right? And it's good. Whatever your decision is, I respect it. If you Aww. think it's better, go you. I don't necessarily think that anything we've done is better. I think a lot of these other places have, like, obviously years and years of experience of, like, honing very simple sort of sandwiches that are three, four ingredients deep. So I think they've got a big advantage. Our goal is to sort of expose more people to the hyper-regional food. So yeah. I, I love the fact that New England is known for more than just clam chowder. It's not just a clam chowder area. Massachusetts has a lot of, like, famous dishes. There's mm -hmm. stuff that's out of Fall River with the chow mein sandwich. There's also a fried cheese sandwich. In I do love the chow mein sandwich. So <laughs> good. I, yeah. I forget about that, yeah. We're actually going to toy with something along those lines this weekend. So I think our point in highlighting some of these is just to more highlight the locality of these dishes Italian sub originated in New England. Yeah. A lot of these other things. So we're going to talk Love about it. food. Yeah. And we're going to talk about beer. Um, what else? Have you been drinking anything with these three ways, four ways? Honestly, I, I, I hate to say I'm a homer, but I've only been drinking Brado beers for the cool. last That's month or two. We just got the new canning line, so it's a little bit more diverse at home rather than taking home a growler of yeah. one or two of the same things yeah. that I do all the time. So nice. it's nice. been nice, nice having the diversity. Yeah. Uh, I am still obsessed with Mezcal. You heard it on our previous episode, and I'm still obsessed with it. So. Same. Not you like it? Surprised. I love Mezcal. Yeah, yeah. I have yet to, like, not find a combination that I don't like, so. Totally. I can't, I mean, I don't like tequila as much anymore because yep. it's so one-dimensional for the most part. I don't want to sound like a, you know, elitist on. <laughs> it's all right. You are. Mezcal but it's fine. elitist. <laughs> mezcal is the way to go. But mezcal is the way to go. There's, yeah. like, 72 varietals of agave, and if you're having tequila, you get one. Yes. It's boring. It's wonderful. Huh, who knew? Mezcal rules. I want yeah, someone to make a beer on Mezcal barrels. If you uh, can point me in the direction <laughs> of a Mezcaleria that uh, has barrels available. We're going to find one then, together. Um, we'll do that for we you. We could do that. We don't have a Noted. ton of room in here for Yeah, but that sounds uh, dope. Barrels, yeah. but we could, you we use could space make for one exception. or two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Make a Roush beer on. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. 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 Mezcal, on Mezcal barrels, yeah. Yeah, we'll yes. double, double it down on the smoke. Yeah. Yes. Sounds great to me. Ryan, what have you been drinking? Uh, beer. Beer. Um, no, I mean, cool. seriously, though, uh, I've been going through some of the back of the fridge. Oof. Always Sometimes love a scary that. place, but a wonderful but place. Honestly, scary but wonderful. Yes. I've been very impressed. I found a whole bunch of Skyline um, that I love. I don't know if, um, how many people here have had Skyline out in Westfield, Mass. Mm. Um, I had a couple of their sours um, and... Uh, wheat. It was some sort of a fruit wheat. I think it was their blueberry wheat. Fun. Very, Yum. very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I just finished off my uh, Oktoberfest beers. Did you? Yeah, as Matt explained earlier, it's a sad story. But, it is. Um, we don't have to talk about it. No, that, we don't need to talk about it. Uh, so, 
We ask our guests to introduce themselves on the podcast and tell us their role at the brewery and their first memory of beer. So take it away, gentlemen. All right. I'll, I can start. I'm Alex Corona. Uh, used to be a fun last name. Uh, <laughs> not so much anymore, but uh, moving on. Uh, my... I want to get into what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'm the head brewer here and also a co-owner. And first memory of beer is actually from a photo of me when I was like maybe two. And um, I'm holding a can of Budweiser and had some sunglasses on and holding a tennis racket. Sick. That's pretty cool. From tasting beer, I uh, was in the back in high school um, having a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, actually. Wow. That's a good one. That's a good one. Good starter beer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I am John Gilman. Um, I am uh, the head chef and sort of help along with like restaurant operations overall um, and also a co-owner of Brado. Um, first beer experience that I can remember. I mean, I can remember drinking it way too young. Um, <laughs> and that was mostly, you know, Keystone, Bushlight, nothing to be no- noted. <laughs> My first memory of good beer actually was I remember freshman year of college and everyone was, I went to UVM up in Vermont, and everyone was super hyped out on the release uh, week of Long Trail's Blackberry Wheat. It was like the big thing sweeping through the dorm. <laughs> and that was the first time I was exposed to like a hype beer. It was just like a really big deal. Like, that would not be that, considered a hype beer anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Yeah. But that's such, like, it was that in Magic Hat number nine. Yeah. Oh, like, I love number we, nine. Yeah, number nine was yes. like getting stocked and like Blackberry Wheat was about to hit. And I remember we just like went out and bought cases and cases of Blackberry Wheat. <laughs> And now like, nobody cares about number yeah. nine. Yeah, I, know. Like, I don't even know uh, if they make blackberry weed anymore. Yeah, they I, actually do. They just re-released it uh, fairly recent. Oh, I'm gonna stand in line. I go yeah, I was up there uh, over the summer. And let's they, crush them together. Have, yeah, it's great. for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's my first like honest beer memory. Yeah. Um, was exposed to some home brewing uh, from my roommates. I don't know if you know Riververse Brewing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. my roommate from college. Oh, good. Yeah. We love them. Cool. Yeah, he's he does really good stuff. Mark Babson. I remember his first home brew. He made a. Uh, like a winter ale with spruce tips in it. Oh, cool. Mm. Which was like a really weird, like, first go around at home brewing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, he was really innovative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it worked. That was our first thing. It was like, oh my God, we drank it. And we actually got drunk. That was like the first <laughs> We actually got drunk. There was alcohol in it. So, yeah. Uh, that was exciting. That is exciting. When did you fall in love with beer? That I night. probably did. Yeah, that night was the spruce ale. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, no, I mean, in, in, I fell in love with it in college. We started to, to brew. Um, a lot in college, um, did a bunch of different batches. And then ironically enough, I actually stopped homebrewing as a hobby once I started working at the Cambridge Brewing Company and worked at a brewery. Yeah. It wasn't like... And you weren't purpose. even working there as a brewer. No. No. No, I was just in the kitchen. But for whatever reason, I, I just, the, the hobby sort of fell off and I got really, really involved in cooking and being creative in that format instead. Yeah. Funnily enough, my homebrewing uh, escapade stopped when I started working at Cambridge Brewing Company. Oh my God! Did you guys work at the same time? Yeah, we sure did. What? Yeah, <laughs> so cool. I um, I fell in love with beer in college. I was that, you know, nerdy kid who had a different six pack at every party I went to, while everyone was crushing Keystone and Bushlight. Uh, but I wouldn't have it any other way, and kind of, you know, worked through a different six pack every weekend, and really got to know the different flavors, and was just. Absolutely astonished at how different everything could be. Then I started homebrewing outside of uh, college and fell in love with that hobby, which 
which eventually turned into a profession, and now my uh, livelihood. Yeah. <laughs> so but, you you both were at CBC for how long? Correct. Uh, I was there for like two stints total. So I worked there in like twenty or two thousand nine to two thousand eleven. Okay. Or so, and then left. Did a bunch of other stuff. Came back in twenty. 13, 14. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I think it was 14 because that's when I started. Yep. Nice. And then from there, so that's where you both kind of, quote unquote, cut your teeth in the, the brewing industry? Yep. Yep. Um, when did, yeah, I mean, brewing under Will Myers over there, you, know, you learn a ton. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, learn, you learn it all. And you know, the barrel seller, uh, I was super fortunate my time there that someone happened to be leaving every year. Yeah. So I, kind of rose up in the ranks much more quickly than typical. Um, and I was head brewer for two years before John um, asked me to start Brado. Yeah. So let's talk about that process. Like, where does an idea like Brado come to be? I mean, it, like, why? I mean, it definitely was inspired by CBC. I always appreciated the, from like a, a restaurant or chef perspective, I've always appreciated the relationship that beer and food have. And thought that it was underplayed. I thought CBC did a good job of highlighting that. Mm. Um, I thought that, for the most part, because it was so long established as a brewery, it felt like it was much more heavily weighted in the beer side and the food side, but that the food side sort of, like, held its own and was respectable. It wasn't just, like, a Cisco truck dropping off fish <laughs> to drop in a fryer or, like, pretzels and Cheetos and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it, it definitely felt like, a, I mean, it is a full-service kitchen, and Chef Dave Drew over there does, like, really incredible stuff that's approachable and simple. Um, so I learned, um, a little bit from there that it'd be valuable to, um, have a place that really highlighted both equally and trying to figure out a way to have an equal, like focus on both beer and food. Um, I thought that that's like an area that's like underserved currently. I think it still is underserved currently, although you're seeing more places do it. Like rarely do you see a new brewery opening that doesn't have some sort of kitchen operation behind it. Um, in fact, I'd, I'd actually challenge someone to point me to a name of like a tap room <laughs> that opens up that doesn't have any sort of consideration to that. Yeah, I don't even know if it's like allowed now. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, what goes into planning a brewery when while working at another brewery? <laughs> uh, we're, I mean, being can you open, talk about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like we were open about it. I, 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 even when I came back from my second stint, I told Phil, the owner there, that I was coming back. My goal was to learn how to open a brewery of my own and to. You know, oh, eventually cool. to do that. Yeah. yeah. So he was fine with it the whole way through. There was no sort of qualms about any of that. Yeah. Did you already know Alex was going to be your brewer? No, actually, um, I had some plans to, I mean, find a brewing partner. I had a few that were in mind along the way. And then... Uh, yeah, I heard Jim Cook was... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't quite cut it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but I, I remember doing, actually, in the summer of 2015, I did Alex's wedding. I catered Alex's wedding. Um, and it was in that process that we sort of got a little bit closer, and um, I was able to convince him that the food was good enough in the course of the wedding. <laughs> it was very good. Yeah. <laughs> it was marital bliss. That oh. they, they, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what it was. The convergence yeah, of those two. My second yeah. marriage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Married twice the same day. Didn't yeah. realize it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. Truly. Um, so what did you want to make Brado that wasn't in the area? I mean, I think what you're doing is unlike any other brew house in this area. Or in Massachusetts or... Yeah, yeah I would yeah, even say New England, yeah. Honestly, yeah. honestly. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Because the I food, mean, I mean, on, I, I will say this. Uh, the food in the bear... The, 
food and the beer, you guys stand out on both ends. Um, where I think a lot of the times you get one that's... It's the beer and then, oh, the they food. also serve food. Yeah, or the food's great and the beer's like... Yeah. 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 yeah, we didn't want to be that. We wanted to sort of try to find balance. So it always takes work too, right? Like, you know, took us over a year to get our brewing equipment on. So yes. now, now the focus <laughs> is like really getting our, our you know, our, our brand out there from a beer perspective yeah. to help balance that out because we were so food heavy early on. I think most breweries don't start with a food program. That's <laughs> no. Yeah, we do it differently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not by choice. Thanks, not by COVID. choice. Yeah. Well, COVID. <laughs> and so many other things. Yes. Um, inspections. I feel like you had maybe the worst bout of. Of getting open. Of getting yeah. open. Yeah. 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 It was really rough. Yeah. It's tough for everybody that I've spoken with, but, and we knew that going in. Um, it just all happened, but I was, you know, prepared for it, but also it was kind of a scramble. Um, and thankfully this. Local brewing industry is absolutely wonderful, and yeah. I was able to pop around to six or seven different breweries to do contracting and pull kegs out um, in smaller batches than a normal com- contract brewery. Yeah. Well, Mostly because we, we don't have cold storage much here. So. Yeah. We'll definitely chat about that. On the other end of these messages. dun 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 Did you know that your favorite Massachusetts breweries use hops from a local family-owned hop farm right here in Massachusetts? Our friends over at Four Star Farms are there for you whether you're a commercial brewery or a small batch home brewer. Make sure to head over to their website today and get your hands on some of the best and freshest hops available locally. Cheers! our local homebrew shop, Beer and Wine Hobby, you can get everything you need to make beer, wine, cider, cheese, and more. Not sure where to start? They have knowledgeable staff there to help. Beer and Wine Hobby is family-owned and located in Danvers, Massachusetts. Visit their website, beer-wine.com, and use our promo code BREWS for 10% off your online order today. Shirts on Tap is the box subscription service for craft beer lovers. Each month, Shirts on Tap partners up with seven different breweries from across the country and collaborates on a sweet custom shirt design. We've been teamed up with Shirts on Tap since the inception of the podcast and are proud to announce a new promo code for all of our listeners. To get your first shirt for $5 off, go to the link in our description below and use the promo code. And remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts. We are back. Oh my god, we're back. So we try to stay away from COVID. I think everyone's COVIDed out, but COVID you guys were like COVID is part of your story. Yes, you were the pivotal pivot <laughs> location. I feel like you guys just we were named constantly. A beer pivot. Yeah, yeah, right. You guys were constantly pivoting, coming up with new ideas and new ways to well survive. Yeah, it was exhausting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did a lot of virtual dinners out of our house or my house, everyone else's house. Really awesome because I didn't have to do everyone else's dishes, so that was that was cool. We actually did get one complaint. Somebody be like, "I love these virtual kits, but I end up with too many dishes." I'm like, "I don't know what I, I don't know what to do for you." <laughs> <laughs> um, Leftovers for days. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of what happens when you open a spot and four months later you're not allowed to seat people in it. It, it. You know, we opened only being able to use two out of three parts of our establishment: the front, and the kitchen, and then they were like, "Just kidding, just use one, just the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Don't use the brewery, don't use the front." So we had to transform into something, and um, 
I think because we were going through that really difficult opening process, we were sort of, it was almost like we had a running head start. We knew um, what it would take to just constantly, okay, well, that didn't work, so try this, and that didn't work, and try this. And we tried a lot of things that didn't work, too, like the, the Brado Micro Bakery that was this little, little morning coffee baked goods operation that lasted about eight weeks, and then we're like, yes, this isn't good. <laughs> Turns out you need really good coffee, or and just good coffee in general to or do that. Or not be next to a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, oh, not be right, next, literally. Yeah. yeah, we tried to commute directly <laughs> with Dunkin' Donuts, and that <laughs> didn't go that Imagine way. you did, though. That would have been sick. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It really would have made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, not everything that we did worked, um, but fortunately, I think that the things that did work worked really well, and people... Embrace it. Embrace it, and we still get a lot of compliments and people saying, like, you know, thanks, thank you very much. Like, this really got us through the pandemic. It makes us feel more connected to people. We sort of realized early in the pandemic that food or beer was no longer the product to sell to people. It was more, like, human connection and human interaction was the most, like, necessary thing to supply. So the virtual dinners did that and all the hell nights. I actually did the last hell night we ever did, which, to back up, we would give everyone a dozen wings, two wings per and then we would go through and like kind of like hot ones, we would mix like sauce one, sauce two, sauce three, all the way up to six until people tapped out if people did. <laughs> and the last one I was doing, I was like, I had just gotten my second booster or my second shot. Oh God. And, <laughs> and I had a fever of like 103 degrees, 102 <laughs> degrees, but like I couldn't not do it. So I'm like, I literally was on fire in every sense of the word by the end of that. You were sweating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh man. My body temperature yeah. was like 119 degrees. Like, what a wimp. Why is he? He's yeah, not know. even that bad. <laughs> I know. He's not even bad. One or yeah. two inch. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I was hallucinating halfway through it. Oh my God. The Scoville level. Sorry, was just I missed like that so one. Who recorded that one? Yeah, yeah I know. Seriously. I should have recorded that one. We're probably thankful they didn't because thank God it's not on YouTube or something. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but yeah, it's been a constant pivot. And we still have a few more, um, you know, bigger developments coming down the line in about a month, month and a half here. Ooh. Cool. Can you tell us or is those secrets? Uh, they're mostly secrets. Okay. Um, stay tuned. But definitely stay tuned. Um, they're taking over Dunkin' Donuts. <gasps> yeah. No, what? they're taking over Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> the whole brand, not just the one down the street. Yeah. yeah, so. yeah I morning. will tease that we're definitely going to be much more involved in the music community in the future. Oh, awesome. Yeah, this area um, desperately it. needs a closing like Great yep. Scott and all of the... the exactly. Yeah. And I mean, obviously there's a big tie-in. We have the Roadrunner uh, music venue yeah. opening up next to us in March. Yeah. So. Very Looking cool. forward to that. So we're really trying to, you know, get the idea of like Brado is a cool spot for like Brado and a show is really what we're trying to get out there. Awesome. Brado and a show. I love yeah. it. I think it's marketed as yeah. right there. Yeah. And a show. Um, talk about you weren't able to even before COVID, you did not have the brewing operation up and going. No, we uh, we took the equipment in August 2019 and we didn't fire up our boiler until October of 2020. Jeez. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> like 18 months. No problem. Yeah. NBD. Um, yeah. So give a shout out to some of the people that you, you did a bunch of contract brewing. I know you oh, yeah. We the... did them. Uh, Night Shift, Idle Hands, Remnant, Lamplighter, uh, Bone Up, Castle Island. I'm probably going to forget somebody. Um, but the brewing... So like, how does that work? The whole yeah. contract brewing. I mean, you guys did that for a while, which is so awesome and, and such a testament to the Brewing, craft Brewing beer too. industry. Yeah. There you go. Obviously, <laughs> craft beer industry. Like how, how does it work doing like contract brewing, and you're able to serve it here? Uh, well, thankfully, I had met a lot of people working at Cambridge Brewing Company, just being in the industry. But we also formed some really nice relationships doing pop food pop-ups yeah. uh, for a lot of different tap rooms with John. So uh, it was kind of like we scratched some people's back and they scratched ours. Uh, it was just kind of 
sussing out who had tank space available, who could give me a five to 10 barrel batch, because that's all we could really take at one time. Yeah. So upon opening, I mean, you had a pretty successful couple of months before the pandemic kind of fucked everything up. <laughs> um, how did that change the plans? Did it change everything, like the original plan? The original plan was really to sell all the beer out of the, the restaurant side, um, and we had to start thinking of ways to get beer out into the public. Um, we did uh, three canning runs with State 64. Cool. And they were great, and they got to us real quick and worked in our very some limited space here. <laughs> yes. Um, it's jam-packed, but we, we figured it out, and that was extremely helpful. Um, growlers are bulky, and they break, and you got to return them if you want, you know, yeah. pay a deposit fee. They just weren't working. We didn't sell that many, but once we started canning, things really picked up. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, the only other things, like, from operations side, we changed is we... Not that we rushed our patio, but we definitely put our patio like as is immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's on a grade. It's not the it's not the greatest patio. Things in the are world. sinking. It was a yeah. Yeah. Heard, right? Yeah. 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 So I mean, like, and like that's kind of part for the course. It's part of the industrial look in the industry. It's like you go to other like beer gardens and tap rooms, and a lot of them are in parking lots and stuff like that. So we still do plan on making some improvements over there. The timeliness of how and when we can do that is a little bit more up in the air now. But um, looking forward to still growing into the space. Because we're not fully built out yet. Yeah. Like properly growing into it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the brew house. Uh, rumor has it you can decoct here. Yeah, that took an extra eight months uh, <laughs> due to a design flaw. But uh, it's all operational now. We actually um, got our first uh, run at decocting on a Schwarz beer we did as a collaboration with um, Lamplighter. Cool. I uh, was super happy with that. And then our second anniversary beer was a, a Bach. And we did a uh, two decoction um, schedule there, and that was really fun. It was it's a long delicious. day. Just saying. Thanks. I, th I think I think it came out really well. I still got a lot to learn um, before I jump on a triple decocted check pills, <laughs> but it's coming soon. We look forward to it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, smaller space, obviously, with lagering, is uh, time in the tanks. Correct. Um, is that hard scheduling? Um, it has been. Things have been a little bit slower because of COVID, which afforded me some tank time to really kind of get uh, the loggers under my under my feet, and um, really happy with them now. But definitely will be a challenge come uh, the spring, summer, especially, um, and hopefully when the Roadrunner opens and we'll be busier. But uh, our kind of logger that's always on here is the Main Street's logger, and that's kind of a three-week Zwickel-style pail. Yep. Lager. So it's a quick uh, turn. Quick turn uh, th to get some more, you know, deeper lagering times. We'll see what happens, but um, I'm hopeful we can work it out. Yep. So speaking about loggers, you have Oktoberfest and a Marzen on tap right now. We sure do. So, like, a lot of people will probably get those two styles very confused and they, think they're the same. Yeah, what's the difference? <laughs> uh, we called, so we have Tis the Weezen. Weezen's the, oh, uh, Weezen. what the locals call uh, Oktoberfest yes. in, in Munich. And um, that is the paler version. That's the more modern version that they're drinking at Oktoberfest, whereas the Märzen is more amber-colored, a little heavier-bodied, uh, more toasty nuttiness to it. But uh, they're essentially the same beer with, like, some darker Munich in it. 
Okay. It's kind of neat. So it's not a huge difference. No. <laughs> but there is a difference, people. Yeah. They're different. So the food side, uh, local flair of the area, um, but you do a ton of other inspired foods too. I mean, uh, what kind of cuisine, I mean, are you like fascinated with? Uh, I mean, not to harp on the hyper-regional stuff. I, I really... Um, uh, my people sometimes ask me, like, what's your favorite dish? And I always give the lamest answer ever, which is the next one. Yeah. I sort of have, like, an itch every sort of week of, like, what is appropriate for, like, this specific week. I believe in food and context. So okay. I'm not going to serve you a really awesome, like, creamy bowl of mac and cheese when it's 95 degrees outside and humid. I don't know. Sounds amazing. I'm also not serving ceviche <laughs> when it's a blizzard. So, I mean, yeah. those are extreme examples. Um, so that's been... Not a great answer for you so far, but uh, yeah, man, come on. <laughs> Tell them about the the whale sausage. Oh yeah, so I made a whale. Yeah, we didn't make a sausage out of whales oh. for anyone. Oh, that would have been a bad, whale of a bad actually. time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very blubbery. Yeah, yeah. no. So like, sauce. I mean, sausages, grilled cheese, pickles are really like the fundamental things here. And one of the first sausages that made me fall in love with sausages <laughs> is uh, I was traveling in Argentina, and there's a street food there called choripan. Okay. It's an Argentine chorizo with chimichurri, salsa riola, which oh, is kind of like a red pepper pico de gallo, um, and like in a baguette. They sell it everywhere, and it's phenomenal, but I've never been able to replicate it. Um, so I, I call it the Moby Dick sausage because I'm still trying to figure out a way to replicate <laughs> it. Eventually, I did like a local adaptation of it. So um, it's based on the way it's seasoned is like a... a beef sausage, which is very hard to work with as a protein and sausage as it is because it doesn't emulsify well. I'm not going to get too deep into like sausage chemistry. You can. <laughs> Please do. Cool. So when you, when you season it, typically it's seasoned with red wine. And what happens is the red wine denatures the proteins, which ha gives them a hard time binding to each other. Okay. And because they don't, the proteins don't bind as well, fat escapes. It creates more crumbly or coarse sausage versus like an emulsified and bouncy snapped case sausage. Oh. So the very ingredients they're using go against sausage like chemistry in terms of like how to form a properly emulsified sausage. So I'm still working on that one. I eventually did a local adaptation where we take what is a New England dish, steak tips. I know it's like strange to think about, but New England is also known for steak tips. But if you go to like California, ask for a steak tip, they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and there's a universal marinade. Usually that involves like Coca-Cola, ketchup, yeah. soy yeah. sauce, and Worcestershire. Um, so we seasoned the beef with that for the sausage. We made like oh, a wow. New England chorizo instead. Yeah. That worked. Um, still haven't quite got the Argentine one down yet. But So I, I like to get like really into the details, the story behind food, to be able to place it in the right context. Um, and then the other thing that's been really interesting about this and uh, is the supply line issues and the food supply prices going like skyrocketing over the place. Yeah, chicken wings. Yeah, I was going to interrupt you about that <laughs> yeah. earlier. Oh, shit. I know. I haven't seen them on the menu for a while. Yeah, yeah no, they're, they're gone. Um, <laughs> chicken, well, chicken So wings. I'm going to lose weight now. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. We're still frying chicken. Yeah. Oh, um, Good. Breast. So, I mean, like, now the, the name of the game is, like, finding things that help absorb that blow for the consumer. For example, if I wanted to run chicken wings on the menu right now, I would have to charge the same price that I would normally charge for oysters. Ooh. So, like, each wow. wing would have to be about $3 to, for, in, to in, within the model, what? make money. Yeah. So, like, six wings for 15 is basically what you're looking at. And, like... I would pay for your wings, but... Yeah, yeah but, but not the average I'd feel person. so guilty yeah, for yeah. making you pay me for those wings. Well, yeah. we were talking about Long Trail, you know, earlier. I was up there in the summer, and their wings were market price on the menu. So, very similar to see. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, and it started trending that way. So, 
the fun part of create like I think creativity is more fun with limitation than without it. If you can just like, hey, here's a bunch of money and every resource in the world, get creative. It's like cool. I made a truffle lobster foie gras burger. It, yeah. You know, like who cares at that point? <laughs> yeah. Um, but so we, I find the challenge of like making it also like approachable, affordable, and still really good yep. to be the most fun part. Um, recently, we discovered that uh, drumsticks are the odd man out of this whole chicken crisis. Crazy. So drumsticks, um, just for total transparency, a drumstick right now is like a full drumstick, which is twice, two, th- two or three times the size of a wing, is about 20% of the cost of a single wing. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a case of wings right now, like you've seen the memes or whatever, go for like $160 a case, $180 a case. They got as high as $240. Um, yeah, they were ca- going for like four to six dollars a pound. Yeah, yeah. Right now, a case of drumsticks is thirteen dollars. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Wow. So, and like, and the <laughs> the reason why wings got popular in you know Buffalo way back in the day, another hyper regional dish that has become national at this point, obviously, uh, is because wings were a surplus item. They were something that were being thrown away otherwise. Yeah. And people were like, oh, we could probably just feed these to the bar customers. So why does that same mentality not apply to current days? Just switch it to drumsticks are now right. the thing that is like we can do drumsticks for a dollar and like not. Drumsticks kind of rule. Yeah, yeah, they're not bad. Like, I mean, I always, I always fought over those? those when I was like a kid, like right. between me and my brother. Luckily, yeah. there's two. But <laughs> and granted, I wish there was like a giant chicken flat out there because I think flats are better than drums. That's a hot take there. Well, that is a bad take, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah whatever. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you know how to eat them, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so. In general, I, I've been really interested in finding, like, ways to get more creative with cuts. And, like, some of the best food in America has been made in those situations. Like, barbecue is in sort of a, as a cuisine developed because people were driving cattle across the country, selling the expensive cuts, and being like, I don't know. I guess you have some ribs left over. What can we possibly do with that? <laughs> yeah. Turns out a lot. So, yeah. barbecue so rules. talk about creativity because I, I love your uh, Turk Duckin. Yep. I fucking love that. So you came up with this in college, right? And now you still do it, and it's so good. Yeah, the turducken is a is a long history. History it has a long history, anyways. Um, it's actually the reason why I cook. That sounds like hyperbole, but uh, I won or lost a bet um, <laughs> in two thousand three, and it was when the Patriots were going to they just beaten the Colts, and they were going to go play the Panthers in the Super Bowl, and for whatever reason, the stipulation of the bet was if the Patriots made it in, I had to prepare a turducken for a Super Bowl party. And this was with, like, no cooking experience at all. <laughs> it was like, whoever, YouTube had just come on. So I'd watch a bunch of YouTube videos on, like, how to debone all three birds. Oh, my God. Um, so it took me, like, you know, the full two weeks between the championship game and the Super Bowl to do this, and I pulled it off, and it was amazing. Uh, it might have been. It might have been terrible. I have no idea. But we ate it all, and people had a great time. And I think that project is what got, well, I know that project is what got me into cooking as a hobby. Yep. I started re- like looking up other things that I could find on YouTube to like how to make risotto or like, you know, relatively simple dishes that I view now, but at the time for like a home cooker, unheard of. So um, we eventually got to a point where I did this, all right, every year I'm going to make a turducken and only on the Super Bowl. So it's been a running tradition for 19 years now that I've made a turducken only on the Super Bowl. I love it. Um, Regardless of where I've been, uh, last year actually, during the height of the pandemic, I didn't host a Super Bowl party, but I did still dish- make turduckins and then distribute them in box meal kit forms all over Massachusetts, into New Hampshire and Vermont as well, making stops all over like some sort of turducken Santa, just running around <laughs> dropping off turduckins to people. 
Um, oh, 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 what does yeah. a Jack and Santa look like? Uh, you're like looking God. at it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, sorry, just, just like, double checking. Like a young but aging Santa. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. he's seen belly, shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm there. Um, so this will this this year coming up will be the 19th. Next year being the 20th, I'm trying to think of something big, maybe stuffing it into an ostrich or something. <laughs> sure, a but, goose. There's a way. Yeah. There's a way. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, that's been a, a fun one to do, and, and definitely a point of creativity. That's awesome. So I'm curious if, if beer and food, how they converge here at Brado. Like, does uh, food get made because of certain beers being made, or does a beer get made because of certain food ideas coming? We're going to get into that on the other side of this message. Are you a solo artist, band, podcaster, or anyone else who needs recording services? Well, we got a place for you where your vision can become a reality. Welcome to Small Pond Studios, built by hand with heart and sweat equity by musicians for musicians. Go to smallpondstudios.io to reach out to get more information. And make sure you let them know that Brute sent you. Hey, Sound Guy Ryan here. Didn't know if you heard, but we're part of the Hopped Up Network. There you'll find other informative podcasts about beer. So go ahead, follow them on social media, and visit them on their website, hoppedupnetwork.com, to learn more about the people, beer, and breweries from around the country. And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. Wow, Ryan really rushed us into this wow. one, but we're back! Oh my gosh! Woo. All right, so I I am always on that hunt for the perfect beer and food pairing, right? Indeed. Um, and I, I make them up as it goes, because anything goes good with pizza, in my opinion, so it doesn't matter, so like, whatever. <laughs> but here, Brado, is that is that on the forefront ever? Yeah, I, I think that it doesn't really affect production schedules as much. Alex brews what we think people want to drink. You know, oh, and we have what I want to drink. And what <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what um, you have that to works. Do that oh, works. That's but how you should do it. I would answer that in uh, two parts. So first of all, generally the concept is supposed to match up with food. Like, who doesn't love sausage and a beer? Pick a beer, pick a sausage. They probably would go fine together. Great. Same with grilled cheese. Grilled cheese, oh, like cheese yes. and beer. Great yes. pairing. So like on a on like a high level, the concepts are paired together more so than the individual dishes. Then we have this thing that's actually been popular since July called the Sunday Supper Club. We've done this once a month, and this actually came from a lot of the meal kits we did during the pandemic where we were giving people like five course kits to cook at home and we would you know, walk them through it. We're just doing that in person now instead of letting people cook on their own. So <laughs> we're doing one Sunday a month. We shut down the restaurant completely and we sell, it's a pre-ticketed event. Um, usually we sell the tickets to people who have been to the club before first and then release the remaining tickets to the public. But they've all sold out, and um, that's when we get very specific. So, like, in that dinner, whatever, like, the new brews coming on are all the new brews I think that you've made have eventually landed on a supper club menu. That's right. To highlight, like, a specific, boot, like, food and beer pairing. So, I think whether you're looking for a general pairing or, like, specifically this beer pairs with that, we sort of do both, but we have different avenues to do either. Yeah. I love it. I'm getting a common theme of community. Community is very important. I mean, they were what kept the doors open for you guys, in my opinion. Is, do you agree? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. From contract brewing to meal kits to keep people sane during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from our, you know, getting the doors open originally, like campaigns with MainVest were really popular and helpful. 
Uh, Alex actually had a really good partnership with, or still has a really good partnership with uh, Brighton Main Streets, which is a good connection to the community as well. Yeah, yeah. our Main Streets logger, uh, portion of that, every batch goes to their uh, community organization that is helping revitalize Brighton's uh, business districts. Yeah, that's awesome. So what are your flagships? Is it like Brighton Hoppy and? Uh, Pilot 463. Uh, which was the number of days from receiving the equipment and brewing up here. Uh, and Brighton Hoppy, which has been a rotating um, IPA, and the Brighton Main Street, or the Main Street's Lager, um, has also been a, a staple since we've opened. Yeah. Awesome. Saison you made a couple, like right when it was opened, was incredible. So, any oh, more Saisons? Yeah, we uh, would just have. Uh, cans left of Saison um, Moilu, which um, is a smooth Saison. Uh, it's a shout out to our uh, Best of Boston 2021. Nice. We have smooth Saisons here. They're delicious. <laughs> smooth uh, Saisons. I love it. We, uh, we also have another one that we hope will eventually be um, a mainstay called Kiss the Cook. Uh, we have a, a little funny classic. can label for it, the guy grilling and the, you know, the classic. Would he be like a turducken Santa? You know, he, ha- he looks like that. Yeah, it's weird. We need a special can release. It doesn't that. not look like me wearing sunglasses. <laughs> oh, wait, you're the chair Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are your opinion great. on uh, smoke lagers right now? It seems like it's pretty popular at this point it in history. has always been my favorite style of beer. Same. Um, it. it hasn't always been, but very recently it has become yes. my favorite style. Yeah. It's uh, amazing. Actually, I did... Um, a pro amateur beer with Wormtown back in 2011 um, with Ben Roche, and it was a smoked rye lager. Oh, I wish Ooh. you called it Roche beer. Oh, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to brew Damn it here. It. Yeah. It uh, but that was Smoker in the Rye. Uh, That's that a was, good name, too. Yeah. It's pretty close. Uh, a little... Not all beach smoke. Uh, we used a little cherry. It was a little more barbecue style, but it um, was an awesome beer to pair with food. I'm actually trying to get that going again, hopefully in the next month or so. Please do. So uh, yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have a rock beer on eventually, yeah. a smoked lager anyway. Awesome. I'm actually gonna switch topics again. Please. So recently, a lot of people have been asking, is this brought German traditional? What makes a bratwurst more German traditional versus just oh, it's a brat? Like that's a good question. Uh, I think in general, um, I mean. There are, like, many different... Like, bratwurst itself doesn't even have a specific recipe. Yeah. Bratwurst can be pork only, can be pork and veal. There's technically veal only. Then, it like, differentiates into knockwurst and bockwurst. Um, Bloodwurst. I think some of the spicing <laughs> is a commonality. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But really, I mean, it's it's almost like a word thrown around a lot. Like, a lot of times you hear the word kielbasa also. Right. That really just right. means Polish sausage. And there's, mm-hmm. like, dozens <laughs> of different kinds of kielbasa as well. So to then, therefore, label one as authentic versus the other, I think, is a little disingenuous because I don't think that there is an authentic if there's not one singular one. Um, There's no true to style. Is it maybe just how you dress it? Yeah, I think it has to have kraut, right? Right. It has to have a good sauerkraut and, like, a really good mustard. Um, We use brioche buns for it as well. Um, And then another, like, commonality in, like, a lot of German sausages that you wouldn't put in there. But, like, if you were to guess a spice that's in almost every German sausage, what spice would you guess? Cumin. It's not close, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Pepper. I have no Pepper. idea. Nutmeg. Nutmeg. Oh, what? Okay. Yeah. Oddly enough, also known as mace, but it's almost in every one of them. That's and like, crazy. You figure like 
Was that some like weird eggnog? Well, I thought be amazing. Yeah, thing. yeah. You'd be amazed how much nutmeg I go through. I do use a lot of cumin in other sausages, like chorizo and stuff like that. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I had to get you in there. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I know that you can't really announce what's next for you, but what's going on currently, like in the next couple of weeks for you? Well, I mean, we're definitely going to be doing the, uh, we're adding in live music here. Um, whoop, whoop. That's not the entire music announcement. Was that a so. Sunday brunch thing? I knew you were doing that before. We did that Sunday. before. I think we're going to be shooting for like Tuesday and Thursday nights. Awesome. We're shooting more for uh, acoustic nights because okay. that's kind of the capacity of what we can do. We're going to lean a little bit into like, I'd love to do like a soul food and blues night. Would oh, be please cool. do. Yeah. Love um, it. Love it. Bluegrass definitely is a welcome addition. So like we're going to try to really, and also focus on like Brighton musicians as well, just so they, they bring their friends and family by to check out their sets. But yeah, I mean, I think you've seen us do a lot of like, like tonight we have a mac and cheese flight night going on. We will okay. be indulging after. <laughs> yeah. 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 We have a bunch of different like things that we sort of dive into in that and to have music interspersed in there as well. Eventually a trivia helps us load the calendar without putting too much stress on the kitchen staff of being like, hey, you know, I know you did taco night last night. Tonight's dumpling flights, but also dumpling flights. <laughs> I was going to say, whoa. Wait, yeah, when's dumpling night amazing. flight? Because we are a big dumpling podcast. <laughs> uh, next week. And right. honestly, that was one of the cooler ones that we've done in flight form. We had... Because mac and cheese night is pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. And, and grilled all cheese mac and flights cheese. are great too. Yeah. But you do that all the time. So Anything like, on a whatever. plane. Um, but yeah, the dumpling flight's cool because we did like a, the first one we did, we did a ravioli, we did a chicken pot pie dumpling in a puff pastry. Oh my God. We did a pierogi yeah. and then we did um, uh, like a Chinese style uh, pork dumpling. Mm. I'm like a little kid that has to go to the bathroom, like getting excited. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is like, that's a terrible analogy, but this right. is very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just what we want to have in the room. Yeah. 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 Um, but having those four different ones, like where would you go to a restaurant and find all four? You Never. You know, so it's kind of cool to be able to do it. And there's so many different dumplings out there from different cuisines in the world. So we can never necessarily repeat what we're doing on that night. That's awesome. If our friend Jenna's listening, we have to go to the next one. It's dump. dumps night. It's dumps night. Yeah. <laughs> and get in early. We got we got a lot of flack for, like, we did it during our, like, our anniversary week, but we sold, like, 100 dumpling flights. And we do, like, a flight wow. night. Usually we sell, like, 20, 30, 40, which is still a high number. Yeah, but, but 100 is a lot 100 more is big, And then people were upset <laughs> that they were gone. Yeah. Dumplings are so good. Yeah, they yeah. are. They really Jeez. are. Good comfort food. Sorry. Too. Yeah. Uh, any styles you won't touch in the brew house? Uh... Not that I wouldn't touch, but, um, you know, I'm not really looking to work with lactose in here much. Oh, oh no, like like a notch IPA. pastry oh. stout? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I honestly, you know, I've always lived my brewing life as there's a style of beer for everybody, unless you're gluten intolerant. Then yep. Maybe you're screwed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I like to keep a pretty diverse menu, so nothing's really off the table. I also kind of brew to what I like to drink. Yep. So um, we don't get too crazy. We usually have one or two IPAs on. Yeah. Uh, but I've been fortunate enough to be brewing the thing that's closest to my heart, which is lagers. Yeah. Love it. We also Any, love lagers. And actually, I'm going to add into it. Like, yes, we're not doing pastry stouts, but we actually have a pretty cool workaround with that. And he's actually the only Ooh, brewer that I what? think. A lot of brewers are, I mean, I'm not knocking on the brewer. <laughs> I think it takes a lot of, like, self-confidence to, to run with this. But... So we started doing a lot of syrups with Berliners. Oak Square Sour is a Berliner. Yep. And a lot of Alex talked, like, that beer alone is a really cool beer, just the way it's actually soured in the kettle yep. using yeah, yeah. different cultures. Um, but as you know, Berliners are oddly are usually garnished with syrups. So we Traditionally. Started, traditionally, yes. yes. Yep. Raspberry and Woodruff being the two traditional. We just sort of took that and said, well, any syrup goes. So we started making syrups 
of all kinds. Like right now we have one that like is built to taste like cranberry sauce. Um, we have, yes. we've done the like mulled cider. We've done like a sugared beet syrup. We've done tons of different syrups and that gives us one sour, one Berliner that the guest has the ability to like augment in any different direction they please without us actually turning the whole seven or 10 barrel batch in that direction. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, that goes back to it's really cool. uh, doing something with a limitation uh, because we only have a few serving tanks and limited keg storage. Uh, this was a way to get multiple quote-unquote offering yeah. styles um, in one batch of beer. We have also done it with our stouts uh, last year. Yeah. So the pastry comes in. So we started making different, like, you know, like a chocolate syrup or like and i'm not, not chocolate syrup like hershey's by any means but like something <laughs> dilutable in that like barely oh, touches the glass so it's yeah. like super concentrated that augments the the pour itself so yeah. one stout can become a couple of different that's different actually ways. a really great idea it's yeah. like such a small brewery that maybe like you said doesn't have the tank space to brew all these crazy different yeah like we don't options. have bourbon barrels here but you can reduce bar uh, uh, bourbon to scientifically remove all the alcohol from it and then add that syrup to the glass um, and now you've got like sort of like a maple bourbon stout. That's incredible. Of, I yeah. love it. Any food styles you won't touch? Uh, <laughs> not really. Um, or any ones that you're just like not a favor in favor of. Like, I think that that's a good question. Um, Blew his mind. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think there are any food styles that we won't touch. I think that I do sometimes like pick things like like the four-way roast beef or the south shore bar pies which is a whole other passion of mine um and i try to i try to be weary of not like misrepresenting food i think mm. I, yeah. I, I never want to be in a position where i'm telling you like like when we sell north shore roast beef i'm, I'm telling you it's not actually north shore roast beef it's inspired yeah. by that dish or that sandwich but i'm not claiming to make the the same one yeah. so a lot of times we try to but we we hit everything i mean we haven't really done um, like sushi here, I guess, so far. Yeah. But I wouldn't not do it either. Cool. I am so game for Prado sushi. Yeah. Yeah. I am too. Yeah. I am too. Chinese night dumps sushi. Dumps. Oh yeah. my god. Crab rangoons. That sounds I don't amazing. Know. So most importantly, I know our listeners are probably as hungry as we are at this point. We want our listeners to come to Brado. Where are you physically located? And yes, we know listeners. You can plug it in your GPS on your phone, so do that too. But in case you're old fashioned like me, where are you where are you located? Right, 190 North Beacon Street. It's at the cross street of um, North Beacon Street and Market Street where there's a Dunkin' Donuts. That'll help <laughs> most of your viewership figure out where we are. Yes. All right, cool. Um, and, yeah, we're around the corner from, like, the New Balance factory sort of build out and, uh, and WGBH and down the street from Notch. Right? Yeah, so it's definitely a destination. Come here, visit both, visit Yeah, go one. to Brighton, the beer capital of exactly. Boston. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jim Cook, but yeah. no, yeah. It's, it's, it's the neighborhood. He is yeah. listening, so, yeah, I'm glad that you <laughs> apologized to him. Immediately. Too. Huge fan. Or tight. No, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a big, yeah, big supporter. Yep. Cool. <laughs> Great talk. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't have any more questions. I'm all flustered with Jim Cook talk now. So. All right. My last question. Yeah. I, I have one last one. For each of you, what would you like to learn more about? Oh, boy. Uh, I would love to travel to Germany in the near future to Same. get some more right? decoction knowledge under my belt. Um, everything I know is from books mm. um, and tinkering around homebrewing um, and then bringing it to the the 10 barrel scale here at Brado. And, um, but I'd love to get a little deeper into that. 
along those same lines, I think traveling to learn. I, I've been on a few trips to travel around, hence the... But every time I go to travel, I find one dish that I become uber obsessed with. So <laughs> I think that that is best, the best way to learn. I think I'd love to like dive into more like localized street foods and learn a little bit more. I definitely want to learn a little bit more about Asian cuisine because it's, I mean, even just saying Asian cuisine, I've wrapped up too many cuisines in one. By saying, Seriously. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so I think learning about that and like, I think the future of food is in approachability and not in white tablecloth. So Agreed. I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, more and more street foods, more learning about the guy who's made the same noodle dish for, you know, 60 straight years. And it's probably it's, every single one of them is perfect. I love finding like people are extremely good at like one or two things that they're doing and, and learning about how to do. Yeah. That Subject matter experts. Yeah. 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 Uh, the beach pie. I know you've mentioned a couple of times. Do you like it better than a New York style? Oh wait, no the the, the South South, Shore. the bar pie, pie. yeah, yeah, bar pie. Pie. yeah. <laughs> sorry, bar. It's like um, beach pie. What sorry, bar, bar pie. Yeah. <laughs> Inform us. The sweet sauce. You could do that one too. The beach pizza too. I, yeah. I would also. Con- I would. So I like. It's way better. But I would contend that they're not. They're apples and oranges. Okay. So, uh, Is that your favorite style? Yes. Uh, South Shore bar pizza or South Shore bar pies, um, famous at like the Linwood Cafe or the Venus Cafe, Cape yep. Cod Cafe. Um, they are very unique in that the dough like is not an Italian dough by any means. It's like it's almost like a biscuit sort of style. It's intentionally underworked, so it's flaky. Yeah, it's kind of flaky. Anyone yeah. from Italy would be like, yeah, that's not a pizza. <laughs> um, the tomato sauce is really pretty simple, but then the other big sort of um, signature of it is the cheese blend is 80% cheddar and 20% mozzarella. Which oh is my god! Not I mean, like that's not Italian at all. No. And yeah. There's almost there's no if it's done right, there's no crust. The cheese just goes straight to the edge. You get the lacing around the outside. Um, so, I mean, they're really not comparable. It's closer to a Greek style pizza than an Italian style yeah. pizza, but I, I feel like it would almost be disrespectful for one or the other to say like one is better than the other. Cause they're, they're, they're different. Not, yeah. They might as well be like grilled cheese in a pizza. They're right. that different. Fair enough. Well, but South Shore all day. Oh man. I have to disagree, <laughs> but we're going to, we'll fight. We're going to we'll duke it out later. after. Yeah. Uh, so we want our listeners to come to Brado, not only to enjoy their amazing beer, but their amazing food. They're doing both. Excellent. I have to honestly say, Indeed. um, Really awesome job across the board for beer and food. Um, Perfect place to go on that Saturday, Sunday, if you're coming down to town. And actually, it's a perfect place to go on a Tuesday night. It's hopping here. Any time of the day. Uh, So make sure you make it out here and uh, follow them on social media to find out all events that they're doing. Because honestly, like I lose track of them and I want to go to all of them. So So do I. And the staff hates me for it. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for doing this. And uh, cheers. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.